0: Chapter Two Smile, Smile, Smile Void Silence Indiscriminate blackness, like a night sky without a single pinprick of starlight. Blackness so deep and dark, it owns mass and gravity, patiently, inexorably pulling every atomic particle that is, that ever was, into its maw, devouring, ending, And then, the faintest of sounds, carried on a breeze, its intrusion pleasant at first, like the distant hum of a choir warming their vocal folds. It builds, the hum beginning to vibrate and buzz, and that buzz grows to extremity, disconcerting, disturbing, then overwhelming, monstrous. Then the blackness recedes, and there they are, Pinholes of light, stars, stars. No, their uniformity betrays them. A step further back, no siree, not stars. Their gravity, an act of love for lonely planets, vortexing in oblivion. But facets, on the eye of a carrion fly, feasting. A step further back, its hyperized movements coalesce into sharp focus, corrupt, fastidious, compulsive. Bestial. The flutter of he and his brethren and sister's wings is the dull roaring buzz as they devour earthly flesh in myriad shades of pink and grey, seeding their maggots in the awful. Yum Then he stops. He skitters a moment, changes direction twice, freezes. A moment of licking clean his forelegs, then his wings blur and he's aloft and we inhale the backdrop on which his fellows boogie the bacchanal. The visual stuns. A hammer to the temple. Raped terrain. Barbed wire ringlets, as if some bizarre follicle anomaly or a metallurgist's garden was sprouting from blackened ground. Silent, zigzagging trenches desperately torn in the earth with shattered parapets and peridos, their sandbags rent by razor-shell splinters bleeding their sandy innards back to the earth. A moonscape of shell holes and craters, orphan children of barrage and bombardment. Sparefoil, un bombardion, have newfound purpose as brimming black pools of chemical-tainted water, infused with blood. And everywhere, the fallen. Contorted, intertwined in their last... Rites of spring dance. The field grey of the German army and the Canadian khaki all but voided of colour by the mud and blood in which the corpses state. Their nationalities distinguishable by the sharp lines of the Germanic helm or the shallow tureen of the Canadian. The loveless orgasm of violence climaxed. Their commonality is revealed in death. The bitter scent smacks the senses. A brick back to the jaw reeking like a tin of spoilt, potted meat left all day in the sun. A cocktail of cordite and TNT, brass and superheated lead, metallic, iron-rich blood, stale urine, pestilent feces released in the final throes of mortality, flesh in decay. An indelicate bouquet, to be sure. The fly alights on a young man's hollow cheek and seeks purchase, Gobbling dried blood, engorging. Durant. In repose, the dull grey pallor of David Durant's features might have been cut from granite. Sharp hominid cheekbones and jaw. A brow that overhangs and shelters deep-set eyes. A face that would be at home in any of the last hundred millennia. The black fly devoured the scabby blood just below his left eye and sought new sustenance, creeping toward the eyelid. Open to force its way inside for something soft and delicious. The eye screamed open, and Durant's hand flew up, smashing the flight to nothingness, scattering it to pulp, slopping it away into the mud where its companions might consume it too, if their feast of men was stolen from them and ploughed six feet under for the worms to take their turn. Durant pushed himself out of the mud and tried to stand, but the effort short-circuited, and he collapsed to a knee. He struggled to catch his breath, to regain control of a heart rate spiking with adrenal juice. He breathed in deep and slow, seeking control, and though thirty seconds passed, it seemed to stretch immeasurably. He finally found it. Durant came to his feet. When he achieved his full six-foot frame, he let himself see the field. A tremor passed from his bowels, then radiated through his whole body. The dead. The dead. The dead. Got wrenched, he stepped back. A heavy weight smacked into his left knee. Dangling from its holster lanyard was his revolver. Durant reached down and grasped the pistol in his hand, clutching its cross-hatched grips tightly, taking what comfort he could from the brutal tooled steel. He stumbled into the midden, broken, lost, searching. for dead. The dead. The dead. Omnipresent. The stench of an abattoir, and beyond the buzz of the flies, another sound. A sharp... tack 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 Durant lowered himself to his knees. Exhaustion, despair, taking hold. Fuck this all. In one fluid motion, he raised the Webley, cocked the hammer, put the barrel to his temper, pulled the trigger. Click. Dry fire. God damn it. He re-cocked the hammer. Cycling the chamber, gun to temple, finger to trigger, hand trembling, eyes squeezed shut tight. Tack, tack, tack. Suddenly, from out of the wasteland, a weeping cry of pain echoed. Durant's eyes shot open. Startled from his intent, he lowered the gun and listened, unsure whether he had heard the scream or if it was his own psyche echoing in his head. Nothing but the buzz, his own heart's beat and his breath and. Madness. Ended. Then a cry. Shrieked out again. Unmistakable this time. Sharp. Pleading. Full of pain and bone-deep suffering. Durant stood. Hello? No response. So he stumbled ahead. Desperate. Searching. Tac. tack Tack. He stopped. Tried to control his breath. Straining to hear another cry. Mama! He seized on the sound and rushed ahead, following it. As he came up over the lip of a shallow shell hole, life. What remained of it? Caped in mud and gore, a young man bleeding his face ghost white, dark hair, blood matted breath, wet and halting. Again, that sound in the distance. Tack, tack, tack. Durant ignored it. He holstered his revolver and knelt by the young man, who stared up, eyes wet with terror and pain. Durant peeled open the boy's jacket, revealing carnage. Stab wounds. Deep, dark. Everlasting. Christ. Tuck, tuck. Durant stood and cried out into the wilderness. Help! I need help! Stretch your arms! But he stood too fast. Tunnel vision, tiny stars and supernova bursting. Durant fell, collapsing backward, unconscious before his body splashed down hard in the mud. Tuck. His eyelids twitched and shuddered in their sockets. His body seized, pulsing and twisting like a poorly actioned marionette. Trent's eyes flew open. His breath came in gasps, hot and cold sweat glistening on his face. His hands shot out to catch him from falling and struck. The steering wheel of a beat-up Ford Model T, sending shivers of pain up his forearms from where the knuckles hit the hardwood of the wheel. Outside the Ford, oppressive, brutal, murderous heat, as Midsummer Sun beat down, 120 in the shade, a glance in the rearview mirror shocked Durant toward consciousness, grey at the temples and throughout his head of air, lines creasing at his eyes, mouth, and cheekbones. The sharp blade of time had etched his features deeply. Through the dirty windshield he saw midday sun, searing two-lane blacktop that stretched out to the infinities of a desert plain. In the midst of this purgatory stood a ragged roadhouse diner, Durant's Model T was parked askew in front of it. That sound. Durant looked up. A dirty little boy was perched on the front stoop of the restaurant. The little boy picked up another pebble and chucked it at Durant's windshield. The pebble bounced off the glass. Durant's voice was a deep rasp, bubbling up. Hey, kid, cut that shit. The little boy leapt to his feet. He ran inside, the screen slamming fast behind him. Durant opened his car door, climbed out. He tried to get his bearings. A pat of his hip found a half-drained pint of warm gin in the pants pocket. He took it out and had a healthy swallow, helping to steady his jangling nerves. The restaurant's screen door swung shut behind Durant. It took a long moment for his eyes to adjust to the dim interior. A smattering of mismatched tables and chairs served as decor, fronting a bar set up by the kitchen. A fat white man in his forties was ensconced at the bar, engrossed in a tattered light blue pamphlet. Its cover read, The International Jew, The World's Foremost Problem, Volume 1. Published by the Dearborn Publishing Company, Dearborn, Michigan, U-S-A. Duran crossed through the empty dining area. He grabbed a seat at the bar. The fat man looked up and grinned at him. Morning there, stranger. Saw you napping in your roadster. Wasn't quite sure if you was alive or dead. Glad to see you living and breathing. (laughs) That old Satan sauce will get you every time. He laughed loudly and waved the pamphlet. You can take a gander at this here when I'm done. Good reading. A real eye-opener, if you know what I mean. You're welcome to my newspaper, too. Already read it cover to cover twice. Durant was noncommittal. He caught the reflection of himself in a dirty mirror behind the bar. The white in his beard, crow's feet, the sun damage. An old woman, left eye silvered by a glaucoma, was cleaning the counter with a musty dish rag. She glanced up. Help you, mister. Durant tried to fight through the cobwebs in his head. I I don't know. Well you either want something or you don't. Hot as it is, only a damn fool turned down a glass of water. Durant nodded. All he tasted was gin and thick dust in his throat. Yes, ma'am. Might appreciate it. She let the dish rag over her shoulder, then filled a glass from a condensation-dappled tin pitcher, all the time giving Durant the once-over. You all right, honey? Durant nodded in the affirmative, while his mind fumbled for answers to simple questions. Where, when, how, and why the fuck? Am I here? You all right? She repeated. Durant rubbed his eyes. He scratched at stubble on a face he swore he had just shaved. Yes, ma'am. Fell asleep in my automobile, I think. Mm-hmm. Damn near broilch in the sun. Hot than hell out there. Nightmares in that heat like a fever dream. Ain't nothing worse. She handed him the glass of water. Makes you think Prometheus ain't do us no favors. Drant looked at her, uncertain. Ain't you heard of Prometheus, child? He's all about consequence. Foreseen and unforeseen. The fat man scoffed. Wind her up and there she goes. He unfolded his newspaper and perused it. She flashed him a look, bright violence in the good eye. Prometheus went and stole fire from the gods. And give it as a gift to human beings, she said. Now, Zeus, he says, hell with that. Fire ain't for mortals. So he sends a gift to Prometheus' brother, builds a woman, beautiful woman, out of clay, Pandora. He give her a big urn and tells her in no uncertain terms not to open it. And then he makes sure that Prometheus' brother falls deep in love with that girl and marries her. Well, Zeus also gave the girl Pandora a gift. Gifted her curiosity. So what that fool girl do? She went and done open up that urn. And out of it come hell. Hatred and rage and destruction had come out this hurricane of pure evil and latch itself onto humankind. Give us the disease. Got us by the throat and won't let go. Put us all on that road to perdition. She shot a sharp glance at the fat man. Some than others. The fat man guffawed. He kept pretending to read his paper. It's all about unintended consequence. Mankind got that fire. But he also got all the hell and fury that come with it. But. You know what else old Zeus put in the bottom of that gal Pandora's urn? Set right there on the very bottom? Hope. He buried hope in all that mess. Ha! All that old Zeus had himself a severe sense of humor. The fat man chortled. He set the paper aside and pulled a couple worn singles out. He dropped them on the counter, then stood and headed for the front door still laughing and shaking his head. The screen door slammed behind him. Good riddance to bad rubbish. She turned back to Durant. You want anything in the way of food? Maybe some eggs and dry toast for that tummy of yawn? Durant nodded, a little uncertain. Yeah, sure. How you want them, child? I don't know. I guess medium will do. She turned to the business of breakfast smoking. Durant watched her open the icebox to begin her preparations. His eyes wandered to the fat man's newspaper. He picked it up and unfolded it. The Ford International Weekly. The Dearborn Independent. August 12, 1934, Munich, Germany. Expanding his power and influence today, the paper fell from Durant's hands. His face left ashen. You all right there, child? His stomach cramped hard, as though a big set of hands grabbed hold of his innards, squeezing and twisting them into knots. Yeah. You have a washroom? She pointed a bony thumb toward the back door. Outhouse in the back. Durant came out the rickety back door. Hot sun beat down. He scanned the yard, then halting steps led him across the parched earth toward a small outhouse shack. He pulled the door open, stumbling, and hot yellow bile exploded out of his throat into the cistern. His gut heaved, expelling everything inside him, burning his throat, gagging and choking him, heaving again, until his empty abdomen seized up and left him gasping for air. Finally it subsided. He wiped his mouth and knelt, closing his eyes, sucking in the air, spitting out bitter acid, trying to regain control of his churning organs. Then behind him he heard a deep, guttural, growl. Durant spun round, spurred by the terror, primal sound mainlined into his bloodstream. A she-wolf, cinched to a length of rope, stared at him through yellow eyes. Her teeth bared and strings of saliva dripped from bright white canines. Beside her, holding the leash, the pebble-thrower, the little boy from the diner's stoop. He stroked his wolf's hackles and smiled benignly at Durant. He raised a finger to his lips, Smiled Sly. Shh. The anointed angel comes, he whispered. Durant felt his blood run cold. The back door opened. The old woman stepped out. Durant stood. He stumbled. His world whirled and spun. He crashed to his knees, collapsing, ragdolling face first to the scorching earth. After what felt like an eternity, the old woman rolled him onto his back brushing his hair from his face, concern furrowing her brow. Lord have mercy. You ready for this journey, child? Mm, I hope so, because it sure as hell is ready for you. His eyes rolled back in his head, and he was gone. Durant's eyes flew open, searching for reason, any fucking thing to hold on to. He pressed himself up out of the blood. And muck, the nightmare of the desert receding, as the nightmare of the battlefield reasserted its hold. For a brief moment, he was utterly lost. He looked at the bleeding young man beside him. The young man reached out his hand, and Durant grasped a hold of it. He put his arm under the boy's shoulders and cradled him. He shut his eyes, and remembered: Sergeant Mills had been singing. Private parks went a marching into Flanders with his smile. His funny smile! Under the harvest moon, nestled into a ball on the floor of the Canadian trenches, Durant listened to the shells exploding while his sergeant's ridiculous baritone bellowed about packing up his troubles. He was loved by the privates and commanders for his smile! His sunny smile! Despite Sergeant Mill's gusto, Durant barely heard him over the rolling barrage, as thousands of metric tons of German steel and TNT rained from the heavens exploding in orange gouts of fire, peppering red-hot shrapnel into the trenches. They all knew the rolling barrage pretty goddamn well. After all, the earnest Canadian gunners had done the same for them prior to assault many times. The first barrage would strike the forest of barbed wire in front of the trenches, cutting a ragged passageway through the metal hedgerows. Then the distant artillerymen would range their guns forward ten meters at a time, creeping the barrage onto the trenches themselves until... Like a wave that had crest, the barrage would break atop them, dashing the unlucky to sundry bits, smashing the nerves of those left unscathed. Under the skull-shattering symphony, Durant and his Canadian boys cowered beneath the parapets, burying themselves against the trench floor. Wow, you've a lucifer to light your fag! Smile, boys, that's the style! Durant pressed himself against the firestep next to his men. Sergeant Mills' singing grew turning defiant, enraged, insane. He was waging his own personal war against that incoming hell. He was losing. What's the use of worrying? It never was worthwhile. So pack up your troubles in your old kid bag and smile, smile, smile. Then the barrage was past the trench and Durant knew it was rolling onward, heading for the rear ranks, cutting off any retreat or reinforcement. Durant stood and fired a signal flare skyward, praying it would be seen kilometers back at the Canadian batteries, knowing it would not. To the fire step, Durant hollered. To the firestep! Come on, you bastards! Sergeant Mills echoed, and with a barrage past his voice cut the night, his rage now focused and purposeful. The cry resounded down the line, and the Canadian troops pushed themselves out of the dust and the dying and climbed onto the fire step with their Enfield rifles. Pix bayonets! Fix bayonets! Mills' elongation of bayonets had a ridiculous, unhinged quality to it. The Canadians drew their sword bayonets and slid them home beneath their rifle barrels. The long blades snapped into place, forming a phalanx of black steel at the lip of the trenches. Hold your fire! Wait for the star shells! Hold your fucking fire! Wait for the fucking star shells! Sergeant Mills was one hell of a reinforcement. Durant's sergeants and NCOs echoed the appeal up and down the line. Durant stared over the sandbags into no man's land. Blackness. Silence. Just down the line, Private Theodore Teddy Donaldson, barely 18, was trying to take charge of a pair of hands, which were having a bit of trouble mating his bayonet with his rifle. Finally, they coupled, clicking into position. Teddy had joined the Canadian Expeditionary Force only a year prior. Gonna see the world, Mama! He exclaimed before boarding the troop steamer for the most exciting ten days of his young life. There had been furious weather on the transatlantic journey, but Theodore did not give a lick of spit. When the weather came, he made sure he was out on the deck, soaked in salty spray, free from the bonds of Earth, living, living, living for the first time. He was young, and he was free. This was just the beginning of a vast and hearty adventure that he would someday tell his grandchildren about by the hearth on a frigid night in Leithbridge, Alberta. Unfortunately, Theodore had broken on the inside into a million jagged little shards just six months in. He hid it well. He desperately did not want to let his fellows down. But the shakes came on, and he knew that the other boys sleeping near him in the dugout could not help but notice. To his great shame, he began peeing himself most nights. Luckily, with the general stench of the trenches, no one seemed to have noticed just yet. If they had, they were far too polite to make mention of it. Theodore stared over his rifle into blackness. The jagged bits inside of him awoke. They started cutting away at his tender interior. He pissed himself again. He shut his eyes and bit down on his tongue. He cursed himself, desperate to wake up, but no. When he opened his eyes, he was still at the firestep. It was 1917, and Good Friday was coming, and he was going to die and not rise up come Sunday. He was going to rot where he fell, and the rats and flies and worms were going to munch him right to bits and pieces, then shit him right out. His jaw was clamped shut, but he began to hyperventilate through his nose and shake. The double shot of rum he had down fifteen minutes prior gurgled back up with stomach acid, filling his throat. He choked it down as best he could. He fumbled his rifle, and it fell to the duckboards of the trench with a crash. He felt Lieutenant Durant glance in his direction, and Sergeant Mills caught him with a look that promised bloody murder. Theodore began to bend and grab up his rifle, but he could not. He stepped off the fire step, Then Teddy Donaldson ran, tearing into the fire bay behind him, rushing toward the freedom that lay some 7,000 kilometers away in the land of his birth. Donaldson! screamed Sergeant Mills. Durant saw the boy run. Time eclipsed. He heard Mills scream. He recalled an Easter egg hunt he had attended as a boy. All the children of Hope, British Columbia had been gathered in a ring around the town square. The green had been filled with hard candies, chocolate bonbons, and colored boiled eggs. The hunt was to commence just as the clock tower struck noon, and you could cut the tension with a knife as the pack of greedy children waited for the bell to sound. But Garrison Franks, already a little ungovernable fucking bastard at nine and a half, ran under the field with almost a minute left to go in the countdown, setting off a violent melee as every child in the village rushed into the scrum, desperate for their fair share of the booty. Durant raised his pistol. He pointed it at Theodore's back. Stop! One of the other boys cried out, Daddy, stop, pal! But Theodore kept running, a latter-day garrison, Franks, threatening to stampede all of Durant's men. Above them, they heard the roar of a star shell fired from the Canadian batteries. It burst 200 yards high, lighting up the night sky in a shower of white magnesium phosphorus. Teddy! shrieked Sergeant Mills. But Theodore, Teddy Donaldson kept on, deaf to their cries. Bang. The bullet entered dead center at Theodore's left scapula popped straight through his heart and dropped him to the ground. Durant's pistol hand shook for a moment, then stilled. To the fire step! They shouted hoarsely. The fire stop! Roared Mills. The other Canadian boys in the trench turned back toward no man's land, each now convinced to face down a death that might come instead of one they knew was 100% guaranteed. The sun hit its apex. There was no shade to be found on the battlefield. The dead were ripening. Those in direct sunlight were swelling into flesh balloons from the heat. Durant opened his eyes. He wiped sweat from his brow. With his free hand, he loosened the collar on his shirt. The young man lay against him with his eyes closed. His stillness was absolute, as though death might have had its way with him at last. Durant released his grip on the cold hand. The young man's eyes flew open. In terror, his fingers clutched for Durant's. Durant squeezed the boy's palm. It's okay. I'm here. He offered his canteen. Water? The young man lay back. He nodded weakly. Durant spun the cap off his canteen and brought it to the boy's lips. He poured a taste into his mouth. A drop was too much. The boy's body was racked with coughing. Bright blood came back up with the water. Durant held him until the fit calmed. Once the gagging ceased, he lowered him to the ground. Durant felt the sun scorching his neck. That distant ball of fire, unchecked by even a wisp of cloud, was brutalizing him. He shut his eyes and looked toward it. Its white, hot center burned through his eyelids, and in his mind's eye he saw the star shell's magnesium and phosphorus parachutes descending toward Earth, bathing no man's land in sputtering black and white light. He remembered looking back at the small husk of poor, dead, piss pants Teddy Donaldson. He holstered the Webley, then bent and picked up Teddy's rifle, joining his men on the firestep, peering through his box periscope into the shell field. Hold your fire, said Durant. For a merciful moment, there was nothing to be seen in the viewfinder. Then, from the darkness, they emerged. One hundred yards out, rows of German infantry running, bayonets fixed. Durant put the periscope down. His breath was starting to shorten, but he forced himself to master his fear and speak the words. On my signal, rapid fire. Ready. Sergeant Mills called out, Get ready, lads! Aim. Aim, boys, aim! The Canadian boys aimed down the sights of their enfields. Fire at will. Fire! Almost as one, the Canadian rifles cracked, sending rounds at the advancing Germans. Their volley tore into the wall of Field Grey, but it was a juggernaut of flesh rolling toward the Canadian line. Each man that fell was replaced by the successive waves of men. The Germans vaulted the sandbags into the thicket of bayonets. It was hammer-striking anvil, war that the ancient tribes of Gaul, the Kelti, the Nervii, and their brethren would have recognized clearly as their own. Bayonet and bludgeon, trench dagger and fist, tooth and nail, song's gunpowder and gas, song's high explosives, Break and rend, smash and disembowel. Do unto others as they would do unto you. Durant fought a man possessed, thrusting and parrying with his bayonet, slashing and stabbing home, twisting the weapon back out, seeking another victim. A starshell roared overhead like a freight train in flight and exploded, lighting up the field bright as day. A German major, helmet lost in the fray swung his nicked, blood-spattered cavalry sword down on Durant. He caught it with the Enfield, but the rifle stock splintered under the hit and knocked him backward to the ground. The German collapsed on top of him, grabbing Durant by the throat, and tried to raise his sword again with the kill stroke. but the claustrophobic, mud-and-blood-slicked trench made it impossible for him to get it over his head. He settled all his weight onto Durant's chest, trying to crush the cartilage of Durant's trachea with his left hand as he brought the sword to bear with the other. Durant felt the strong hand clench beneath his chin and his fragile windpipe begin to buckle under the pressure. Durant's fingers fumbled at his hip, found the handle of his trench knife and inched it free. He slipped it upwards, jutting the point of it into the man who was killing him just below his ribs. For the barest flash of a moment, the German major's brain thought he was being tickled. Then Durant ripped his arm free, found purchase and shoved the blade into its hilt. The man screamed and fell away, clutching at his side, begging for a moment more of breath, of love, of life, that was not to be. There was a moment's heart pounding respite from the chaos. Durant wrenched the dagger free and rose to his knees. When he glanced up, all he saw was a flash of grey running at him. He met the charge with violent instinct, stabbing blindly, viciously. The grey mass tumbled into him and they collapsed in a heap, Durant stabbing, 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 until resistance ceased. Above him, another star shell burst, casting the field in stark relief. Durant looked down at his victim. He knew him then as he knew him now. A boy, just a German boy. The same boy who was cradled in his arms under the noonday sun. Still bleeding, still dying at his hand. Durant dropped his dagger and stumbled away from the screaming boy, and just like Teddy Donaldson, he fled, legs churning, gasping for air, running from the macabre death-struggle past men, indiscernible, locked in violent embrace. As the light from the starshell faded to black, Durant disappeared into the night. He remembered his lungs sucking wind and his pulse pounding in his ears. The Good Friday sun was a horror, baking him. Durant stared at the boy in his arms. His breath was labored, weak. An inhuman moan of agony rolled up from inside of him. Mutter, ich mochte meine Mutter. Durant leaned close. He recognized the German word for mother, but not the rest. What? What is it? The young man's stiff, shaking hands reached into his breast pocket. Numb fingers pulled out a dog-tag locket. He handed it to Durant, pressing it into his palm. Das gehört mir nicht. Mir nicht. The boy's exhale rattled out of his chest. Then he was finally still, bright blue eyes unseeing. Durant gently laid him to the earth, and he reached out to close the staring eyes. Ice cold hands exploded out of the muck and grabbed Durant's collar, wrenching him within inches of the dead boy's face. An inhuman voice roared out of the slight frame, shaking Durant to the core. The angel Engel kommt! We lassen Sie all Hoffnung here ye uncommon! Abandon it to Lispaki and Tonti C! Abandon all hope! Ye who enter here, the anointed angel comes! Durant tried to wrest himself from the grip. But it was as if he was trying to twist steel. The boy's lips parted in a horror show grin. Then the eyes rolled back, the hands unclenched, the body splashed back into the mud. Leaving Durant shaken, alone, unsure of his sanity, in the field of the dead.